Sorry, Sorry to keep y'all waiting. Some so, celebration in that locker room, as you guys um, can, can imagine. imagine. Uh, first of all, I want to thank our fans. That environment tonight may have been the greatest I've ever been a part of, starting with the Gamecock walk. Um, uh, the 2001 Sandstorm, just their, the advantage that they gave us throughout the night. I told the players at the hotel, you know, we haven't gotten off to good starts here at home. And I don't know if it's because we're caught up in 2001 Sandstorm and Gamecock walk, and then we don't get out there and execute like we should. So I told the team at the hotel literally right before we came over here that I understand the crowd's going to be a great advantage for us, but we're not going to win the game because of the crowd. And I may have screwed that up because of the noise they created, the false starts they caused. Uh, thank you. That was an awesome, awesome, awesome environment. And I'm so happy for all of Gamecock Nation. It's been a long, however many, eight years or whatever since we beat those guys. Uh, so I want our fans to celebrate the heck. Out of, um, out of that one. Uh, All right. Welcome into the GamecockScoop.com podcast. Um, that video was courtesy of Gamecocks Online, by the way. Thank you for the University of South Carolina for letting us use uh, press conference videos. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> the uh, crowd last night in South Carolina's 30-24 win. 30 obviously. What did I say? 32. Oh, yeah, 30 2-24 win um, was obviously a huge factor from pretty much the word go. Uh, I don't know if he mentioned how many false starts there. I've seen, I saw eight in the stat box last night, and then I saw you wrote seven in the story this I morning. I, don't, was, I think there was one in the last drive that I missed, so I think it okay. ended up being eight. I got you. Yeah, so either way, tons of false starts last night. Pretty much all of them, you could tell, were caused by the crowd. Um, you had an early fumble um, because the center snapped the ball thinking that the cadence was good to go, and it wasn't. Um, so crowd was a huge factor throughout the game last night. Um, and that was the first time you've kind of seen Williams-Brice in its full glory. So I did want to kind of start with your reaction. By the way, I'm Caleb Alexander. This is Alan Cole. Kind of, you know, we're both sort of feeling it this morning uh, after a late night and, you know, celebrating with game cognition also before you answer that question i got a new background you uh, do jeff blake over at uh usa today it? usa today um got shane beamer doing the whole like gladiator thing <laughs> are you not entertained uh so yeah I, I like that um all right so what what's your thoughts on the atmosphere from last night insane um I thought Spencer Rattler actually said it best. He said he could feel it in his chest when Xavier Leggett took the opening kickoff back. Um, no, the press box was shaking um, after Leggett's kick return. It was um, student section crazy. I mean, eight false starts kind of says it all. I mean, they did not stop all night. And um, that's a legitimate – that's one of the better environments I've ever been in. For, and Shane Beamer called it the best he's ever been in, period, in that clip. Um Crazy, crazy crowd. I don't know. You've been to a lot of games there. You've been to way more than I have. But that was um, that was a lot. Yeah, I mean, from what I could tell on TV, it was up there with the best that I've seen. Um, you, with when six minutes had passed in the game or whatever, and South Carolina is already already up seventeen to nothing, and that place is um, going insane. You were like, "What is happening?" You texted me like, "What is happening?" And I was like, "You know, it's nighttime at, at Willie B. Um, yep. I mean, it kind of reminded me a little bit. Of course it didn't stay, um, 
throughout and and the stakes weren't quite as high but it reminded me a little bit of the 2012 georgia game at the beginning where just everything was going right right there at the beginning and the stadium was fully behind you uh, as everything was going right so it's just like a linchpin ready to explode um the uh sec network mentioned that it was the best environment that they had been or whoever it was i think it was cole kubelik uh mentioned it was the best atmosphere he'd been in all season um yeah i mean the fans brought it and it really was a factor and i I wrote about it in my rapid reaction you can find my rapid reaction on gamecockscoop.com you can find alan's game story and then his sort of sunday morning uh, deep dive uh on gamecockscoop.com this morning but i wrote in my rapid reaction that um this is what led to 18 straight home wins back in the Spurrier area from 2010 to 2013 is you had this incredible environment. You had the team that could kind of ride the wave of that momentum. Now, obviously we're not quite there yet, um, but if you want to get back there, this is going to be a factor in getting back there. And and the, the hope is that you're going to have plenty more of nights like that at Williams Bryce. You got another uh, 4 PM kickoff next week for homecoming against Missouri um, should be ranked. We'll have the, the, AP poll probably release here and two o'clock Eastern. So two and a half hours from now. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we talked about it leading up to the game. They were maybe 28th, 29th. If you look at the other receiving receiving votes, votes. Um, I mean, I I would think that this, this win probably catapults them right there around that back end. So we'll see. I don't know who I I honestly didn't even look at that much. The rest of the scoreboard Um, kind of pursing through it now in terms of like, Teams ranked at the bottom of the poll who lost. I guess Texas lost. They were number 20. Um, trying to think. Mississippi State was 24. They lost. They'll drop. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the kind of the bottom of the poll didn't lose that much. So we'll see. But either way, just if they keep winning, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you're at five and two as well. So you, you got to kind of look at what the records of some of the other teams at the bottom are Kansas State at 17. They probably won't drop out though. They lost, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah way, we'll, keep winning. We'll, yeah. we'll see soon, but anyway. Um yeah, so the game started obviously pretty electric. Xavier Leggett takes the opening kickoff 102 yards. Um Perry McCarty who is uh one of our writers at Gamecock Scoop, we had like the group chat going during the game and he was like that was one of those moments where like no 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 yes yes um because yeah I mean it didn't seem like the smartest decision to take it out but obviously uh Leggett saw something <laughs> that that he liked there and um he broke a couple tackles and he was gone I mean it took him uh 14 seconds to go 102 yards it wasn't necessarily like the the straightest speediest um return no, but he, um it, i thought he was down at like the 35 or 40 because there were two or three a.m tackling and i even there was thinking that's a pretty good return from showing your own end zone 35 40 um but it's that last tackler once he kind of like steps over him i think for lack of a better term and then he's got nothing but grass in front of him yeah and he honestly had two pretty big uh plays in the special teams i wrote about um he, he and josh van who have kind of been this sort of background uh senior wide receivers throughout the year um josh van had a couple big catches including a 20 yard uh catch and run on the last touchdown drive for south carolina which was that eight play 80 yard drive um so a big moment and then xavier leggett had the big kick return touchdown and then also on the texas a&m 
or the kickoff right after the last touchdown for South Carolina, he ran down the field and like crush yeah. Devin AJ to kind of keep that mo- momentum going. Of course, you know, Texas A&M did put together a drive there, but I still thought that, that was kind of a cool moment to see him make a big play on both kickoff return and kickoff. Um, so yeah, beginning of the game was kind of a whirlwind. You have Xavier Leggett return of 102 yards. Uh, then you have Darius Rush gets an interception, returns it down to the five. Then South Carolina throw, decides to throw the ball three times, um, which we'll talk a little bit about Marshawn Lloyd and his lack of use in the first half there. He only had three carries in the first half. Um, they tried to throw the ball three times, drive stalls, kick a field goal up to nothing, and then you get a, another Tonka Hemingway scoop. Uh, he didn't go quite as far this time, but he still scooped up and ran a little bit. Um, like I said, the crowd was a big factor there because the center just kind of like snapped it off of Haynes King knee uh, and it fell directly into Tonka Hemingway's hands. Um, and Christian Bill Smith scored from like eight yards out or so, I think on that, um, which he looked good on that run. Um, but then it was kind of weird from there that it seemed like Marcus Satterfield just wanted to keep riding the hot hand with Christian Bill Smith or whatever. But from there, he didn't really do a whole lot. I wrote in the the rapid reaction, um, Christian Bill Smith and Juju McDowell, I think, had like 12 carries for 11 yards or something through the rest of the game from there, um, which like, you know, not talking shade on them. They're both uh, excellent players. They both will need to be used as a changeup. Um, but it was definitely baffling that in the first half, Marshawn Lloyd only got three carries and then, you know, in the second half, they turned it on, gave him 15. You saw what happened from there. He ended up with 95 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but yeah, definitely don't see a path um, where, as an offensive coordinator, you don't build your game plan around, around Marshall Lloyd from here on out. I mean, I thought that that was already established, but maybe not. No, yeah. I, again, I think I texted you after the field goal drive. Well, I say drive, it was three plays, zero yards. Um, I'm not really sure why Marshawn Lloyd didn't get the ball there. Um, you're probably looking at 14 nothing at that point, and then 21 nothing if he does. Um, I, yeah, I don't really know what to do with that. Um, this AM secondary, we talked about it during the pre-show during the week. That's a very good unit. They had South Carolina's receivers frustrated most of the night. There really wasn't much separation um, on the perimeter. This wasn't a um, this wasn't a game where you saw shots down the field. There were a couple of good throws from Spencer. Um, but no, that was another game where it kind of felt like they needed to run the ball to win, and it didn't really. I don't know if that point was driven home until that last touchdown drive, um, but that's the way it was trending pretty much most of the night. Yeah, and I see that there are several of you watching us live right now. Thanks for watching, by the way. Um, feel free to comment wherever you're at, Twitter, uh, YouTube. I should be able to see them over here, um, and we can answer any of your questions. Just wanted to note that real quick. Um, but yeah, so... You get up 17 to nothing, whole stadium's behind you, feeling really good. Um, and then the offense just really can't do anything from there. So the lot of struggles in the first half. I believe you got outgained like 200 to 80-something yards in the first half. Two, um, and- 14 to 98. Okay, there you go. Uh, let uh, Texas A&M get back into it, 17 to 14. Had an opportunity on a drive right before the half where you hit Jalen Brooks on one of those deep throws that you did mention that Rattler did have a, a nice throw on. Um, but unfortunately, he can't haul it in. So you go into the half, 17 14. And I, I put in the game thread at that point, like, all right, pregame, 
you're leading 17 to 14. You're probably pretty happy uh, about that result. But, you know, after that first quarter where you're up 17 to nothing and you tell someone you're leading 17 to 14, you're probably not too happy. Um, but to South Carolina's credit, the defense, you know, sort of played pretty well throughout the entire game. Gave up some yards, but I mean, that's going to happen. Um, Devin A. Chain had 90 yards rushing on 20 carries, 99 yards rushing on 20 carries, but he also had a 30 yard carry in there. So it was really like, other than that, 19 carries for 60 something yards. So really kept him in check for the most part. Um, second half, you do enough on offense. You start to actually hand the ball to Marshawn Lloyd. Uh, like I said, he had 15 carries in the second half, um, and piece together two touchdown drives that are really the difference in this one um any other major takeaways before we sort of like try to get in the weeds of each side of the ball and everything uh, i mean that pretty much is it that's just i think that's a good example of just finding it's so cliche i almost hate saying it just finding a way to win i wrote a little bit about this and um my piece went up this morning but that was just that was a grind it out figure out a way to get this done offense stalled out for like two and a half quarters and they just pushed through yeah, you had another couple of key turnovers. Like we mentioned, of course, South Carolina continues to struggle with their own turnovers. Uh, Spencer Rattler fumbled. Um, Juju McDowell fumbled. No interceptions, though, right? Correct. Hey, that's that's progress. Um, <laughs> the defensive line. I'm sorry. Sorry, everyone. I just burped directly in the mic. Uh, the defensive line really uh, had their way with Texas offensive line, I thought, through large portions of the game. Um, of course, Texas's offensive Texas A&M's A&M, offensive yeah. line was uh, missing quite a few people for inter- injury, including the starting center, which um, the, the broadcast talked about how the starting center was trying to coach up the backup center after the, the fumbled exchange early in the first quarter. Um, but yeah, I, I thought pretty much everyone on the defensive line played very well, especially the two guys that we've been talking about that needed to step up this season and, and really have so far in Jordan Birch and Zach Pickens. Um, Birch led the team in tackles Pickens led the team in quarterback hurries. Um, they're kind of hitting Haynes King all night. They didn't get a ton of sacks, but they definitely made their pressure felt including on the early inter- interception to Darius rush and ultimately hit him enough times that, um, he had to go out of the game. Connor Wegman comes in really struggles except for on the last drive. Um, and that's kind of the story of the game on defense. Yeah. Um, you know, it all starts at the tip of the sword, and they were they were getting guys in and out. This was a return game for Boogie Huntley. I thought he played pretty well. Um, there was one point where I think it was before a third down play where they had MJ Webb, um, Tonka Hemingway, and Zach Pickens on the field, and then AM called timeout and they kind of changed the look up a little bit. Um, now the defensive tackles played really well. Um, it's kind of the same thing as the Chris Rodriguez conversation. Devin a chain is just going to get yards. He's too good of a back not to, um, but you keep the, other than the 30 yard run, they kept the big play in check. They did give up a touchdown, which they didn't do to Rodriguez. Um, that was late third quarter. Um, but again, if you're kind of taking the whole 30,000 foot level, realistically, that's about as well as you can hope to do against a back like that. And then you add in affecting the passing game, um, moving Haynes King off his spots, uh, causing an interception, like you said, yeah, that's a, I don't know, call it a B plus game for the defensive line, maybe even A minus. I felt like Tonka Hemingway had another game. Um, he, you know, stepped in while 
Boogie Huntley has been injured and and he's really become like a one A one B situation yeah. with Huntley there. And with Tonka, I think it has to be pointed out that and Beamer gave him a game ball for this after South Carolina's touchdown to go up thirty to twenty one. That extra point is blocked. Tonka Hemingway pushes the A and M returner out of bounds. That keeps it a nine nine point game because if that if that gets run back, it's thirty to twenty three, and A and M has the ball with the chance to tie it. Um, that is a hustle play from Tonka Hemingway. That's something Shane Beamer's talked about, like effort on extra points after giving, um, you know, just effort on extra points in general. Um, yeah, he saved two points there. Yeah, I mean, we talked early in the season. I can't remember which player it was now it was i think it was after the georgia state game or maybe after charlotte but they're talking about special teams and they were talking about how the culture built around special teams on this team is like you kind of want to be on special teams like it's like um you have some of your biggest impact players um playing special teams and making plays on special teams um and that's just another example of they they take it very seriously it's not it's not something that they um just kind of mail in and take lightly like a lot of other teams do that they really view it as an impact portion of this game and again it was i mean you have the touchdown on the opening play kind of sets the tone and you have a big play there to to seal it in a, in a lot of ways Kai Kogu, um, by the way too 49 yards average on his punts had stuck another one inside the five yeah, so he had three inside the 20. He had three that were 50-plus yards. Um, there were several times when South Carolina's offense was struggling. They you know, weren't even moving the ball out of their own end of the field, that he was able to flip the field and uh, make it tough for the Texas A&M offense and give uh, your defense you know, a little bit of room to work with, and, and it continued to, to work out for him. So, yeah, that, that, is a, that was a big factor that maybe gets overlooked a little bit. Um, on offense, uh, you know, it was, it was an up-and-down game. We keep having sort of the same conversation here. Uh, ultimately got it done. Only Marshawn Lloyd's uh, running stat line looks pretty good. And you do have to keep in mind that the first, you know, quarter at least, um, you take away an offensive possession because of the kickoff return, and then you had two very short fields. And, and Spencer Rattler, I saw mention in the in the the pregame or the postgame that uh, it was sort of tough to get into a rhythm. And I, I do buy that, right? Like you you don't have a cup, you, you don't have your usual drives where you're figuring things out because you have really short fields that you're that you're on. That said, I still think it's pretty inexcusable that Marshawn Lloyd doesn't get a carry from the five on that drive that we already mentioned. Um, and that he ended the first half with only three carries. It seemed like you're forcing the issue with Christian Bill Smith and Juju McDowell there, which again, important players, but at this point I think should be solidly backing up uh, Marshawn Lloyd. Um, I mean, it even got to the point where I texted you and I was like, did Lloyd go into the tent? Did we miss an injury somewhere? Like, why is he not on the field right now? Um, obviously something changed at halftime. I, I know Shane Beamer mentioned on the, the, the broadcast. And I saw he mentioned at post game that he went to Satterfield and was like, get the ball to your key players, which seems like a kind of obvious thing for an offensive coordinator to know, but um, <laughs> what, you know, whatever he said, they, they started to get the ball to their key players. Yeah, it's, I mean, we kind of already talked through the first drive. Um, I'll be honest. The one that really got me from a play calling perspective was after South Carolina goes up 24, 14, that touchdown drive. It's the one that started around midfield. Lloyd got the ball five out of six plays, had the 18 yard touchdown. Defense forces a three and out. 
You have the ball back. You were up 10. This is like two minutes to go in the third quarter. And you, it was a deep ball that they were setting up a deep ball in the first play of that next drive. Um, Spencer Rattler gets hit, fumbles, balls out. Next thing you know, you're in a sudden change situation. Um, and the momentum is back on the AM sideline. I, I think I used the term no need for it in the game thread. Um, but at that point, there really was no need for anything other than just pounding, running the ball, even some play action, which I don't think we've seen a ton of anyway. Um, it's just, I think they're trying a little bit too hard to work the deep shots in there. Um, we've talked about that before, about not trying to force that, especially last night against a team with good coverage corners. Um, you don't have to take a shot, even if you haven't yet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, it's, it's two weeks in a row where you are trying to force the issue against a team's strength, right? We talked about how Kentucky's safeties play very disciplined in that deep zone, and yet they still tried to attack the deep zone instead of taking what they got underneath. They finally figured it out in the second half. And yeah, same thing here. You're, you're going against the strength of the AM defense, which is their pass rush and their uh, secondary, instead of you know trying to lean on them and, and pound on them where they have... We, we talked about they have talent on that defensive line, but a lot of that talent's young, and a lot of young talent in the D.C. Uh, struggles a little bit against the run early uh, before they can put the whole game together, um, but they're a little bit better when they can just kind of pin their ears back and, and uh, rush the passer. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's it, that, that was sort of baffling to me. I don't want to be overly negative. Uh, they won the football game. They scored 30 points. Granted, some of that short field, some of that special teams, whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, and it, I said this last night in the, in the game uh, thread. It's been a long time since you felt like South Carolina was a good enough team to bumble their way to a win over a, you know, average to above average team in Texas A&M. So um, you, you can't complain too much. It's a weird game. Um, Shane Beamer said, you know, that he sort of was uh, pulling his hair out at different parts of the game that he we almost were. had a heart attack a couple times, you know, whatever. Um, but ultimately, you get the win. And so I don't want to be overly negative here. You're, you've won four straight. Uh, you're sitting at five and two. You are on the precipice of being ranked. We'll see. We'll see that later. You got two very winnable games ahead of you. Um, and yeah, I mean, we we talked about it in the in leading up to the week. Uh, these were two, or the the last two games really. These were two swing games. You wanted one of the two. You got both. Um, you got some more uh, very winnable games coming up, and then you know maybe you steal one from Florida, Tennessee, Clemson, and you're feeling pretty good about the season. I mean, I think you should feel pretty good of the, about the season regardless yeah. of what happens the rest of the way at this point. I mean, obviously you got to take care of business the next two weeks, but um, sitting about as good as you could hope through the first seven. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, this is, I think if anybody had offered five and two through seven games before, um, before the season started, you're taking it. And that's like you said, Missouri and Vanderbilt the next two weeks, you have to play those games. Uh, Missouri's defensive line is going to be a challenge, especially for this running game. Vanderbilt, they're pretty game. I mean, they almost beat Missouri yesterday. They had a double digit lead on Ole Miss at halftime. I think that's not necessarily going to be easy, but it's a game you would expect South Carolina to win based on the talent differential. Um, and maybe you're sitting seven and two going to the swamp. Probably, maybe, um, again, you kind of have to take the 10,000 foot level. And I think the point about, excuse me, bumbling through games, I, this is kind of what I wrote about the main thing, but 
Got the ball back, eight and a half minutes, three-point lead. Shane Beamer, and I asked him this, what he said. He walked up to the offense and said, enough's enough. Go put some points up and win this game. Um, eight plays, 80 yards. Enough was enough. Yeah, and some you you got the ball, your key players there, right? We talked about the van 20-yard catch. Um, I, I believe Jalen Brooks had a catch on that drive. Yep. Bell carried the ball for a first down on that drive. Marshawn Lloyd um, sort of set up that drive with a big run. Went 24 out yards, yep. 24 yards. Went out because he got his helmet ripped off and it kind of like dinged his eye or something for a second. Um, and then came in, came back in, and immediately scored a touchdown uh, when he came back in. So... Uh, sort of bookended that drive there too. And yeah, I mean, when the chips were down, like you said, they they rose to the occasion. Um, we we called it the drive of the season, <laughs> drive of the Beamer era, whatever you want to call it. That's, that's the best drive I've seen from them thus far uh, in a key moment. Yeah, and they had one of those against Kentucky. It was in the third quarter. It was kind of similar. They're up 14-7 at that point. It took seven minutes off the clock, but they stalled out there in the red zone. They kicked a field goal. That was the same type of drive as the one they had in Lexington, just in terms of the ball control, getting the ball to their best players sort of thing. Uh, but they finished it, and they needed to, because a field goal there, you're only up six, and you're putting the game on your defense to finish it out. Definitely. Um, and, yeah, you mentioned Missouri and Vandy, not to like look too far ahead. Um, those are both games you can lose. Um, I, I know that someone asked Beamer in the postgame, like, how do you get your uh, – feet back on the ground after this um obviously they did it after kentucky but you had the, the advantage of the bye week um you can't get too high on yourself here i mean both both of those teams could beat you if you go in over confident um you, you hope that you have a similar environment next week against missouri and uh continue to start strong <laughs> this is something that we have talked about all season um especially in the season that they were they, they were struggling last season and struggling in the first few games this season to start early well the last two weeks they've started early. Um, you got you to keep that going. Um, scored in what thirteen we thirteen seconds against Kentucky and fourteen seconds uh, last night yep. against Texas A and M. I don't know if you'll you'll start quite that fast, um, <laughs> or that you can rely on starting quite that fast. But they need to continue to seize the momentum early, especially um, well, really at a home and on the road at, at home to get get your crowd in and not at the on the road to kind of quiet the other crowd. Um, and then, yeah, they're, they're doing enough on defense and on offense to kind of finish the job. And that's all you're really asking for at this point, right? Is just finishing the job, finishing football games. That's, I'm not going to count Charlotte and SC state as much. Those games were decided by the third quarter. Um, but the last two weeks they have finished the game with touchdown drives late to put the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you start to think about like the pecking order of the SEC. The goal of this season was to kind of work your way up into the middle tier, like maybe upper middle. Um, and yeah, I mean, you you look at the East. Obviously, Georgia and Tennessee are sitting there at the top. But over the next two weeks, you can kind of solidify your position as what the third best team in the East, maybe the fourth best team in the East, depending on how things go against Florida. Um, I think you got to be happy with where you're sitting right now. At this exact moment, they are technically third in the East. Um, they're tied with Kentucky, but obviously they have the tiebreaker um, at two and two in the league. Yeah, there's no reason you can't beat Missouri and Vanderbilt. That'll get you to four and two in the league. And yeah, you're right. That third in the East probably comes down to the trip to Gainesville. Um, 
And that kind of determines are you finishing. I don't want to write the Tennessee game off completely a month away, but are you finishing four and four or five and three in the conference? Um, and that's probably seven or eight, or I don't know. You said nine this week. It still seems like a little bit of a stretch to me, but I guess it's on the table. Um, I mean, kind of maybe, you're finishing. maybe nine with a bow win. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of tough to project Tennessee or Clemson at this point, because I think if you enter that stretch, um with what seven, seven in straight, a row they beat Florida seven yeah. straight wins I mean there, there's something to be said especially in college football for momentum um I think you're probably gonna feel pretty confident uh whether you actually match up against that team or not but you're at home you got momentum that's gonna be a nationally televised have you thought about the possibility team. of 10 and 0 slash 9 and 1 Tennessee against 8 and 2 South Carolina hosting game day it's Certainly possible. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know what else is that week. It's week 12. We're just getting through week eight. I, but. I, was try- I was trying to think if there's any way that you have that be like relevant for the SEC East. Um, there's not. But yeah, I mean, I don't see Georgia losing another game outside of Tennessee. You would need Georgia to lose and- three because they haven't lost one yet. And you're down two with the tiebreaker. Well, so, unless unless you get a three way tie, you get Tennessee. Louis, <laughs> are we really doing this? No, I mean it's not going to happen. You're right, um, but uh, like you said, definitely an opportunity to solidify your your position third in the East, and and you know that's nothing to be ashamed of this year when you got no. two top five time, two top five teams uh, as the one and two. Um, and, uh, speaking yeah, big picture, for those of you guys who like Florida, there were reps from the Citrus Bowl and the Gator Bowl there last night in the press box. Yeah, you got to start to think that those are those are possibilities. Mm-hmm. If you you get to eight wins, I think it's almost mm-hmm. locked up that you're going to go to Florida in some form, um, unless maybe you end up at the Peach Bowl. But they were there last uh, night. That's a playoff semifinal. I don't know why they were there. <laughs> Uh, maybe they were, yeah, I don't know either. I can't uh, even like concoct a scenario where A&M or South Carolina is in the college football playoff, but there were, there was a rep there last night. And yeah. If you somehow win, uh, four of the last five, maybe you're sitting at nine wins at the end of the season. You're not you going beat. to the playoff at nine and three. Like, what are we talking about? Oh no, no, not, a, not the playoff. Do they not have a, uh, no, the, the playoff semifinal is the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl this year. Like, that's okay. who was there last night in the press box. I thought they had an NY6 uh, nope. bowl as well. All right. You're right. There's no scenario. <laughs> I, I don't understand I, what was happening and, there. Unless it turns into 2007 and just, like, everyone starts losing in the top five and it goes crazy. But um, anyway, so did, do you have anything to, to say about Mizzou as we look ahead to next week or – um, I caught a little bit of that game yesterday. That was on in the press box because that was the SEC Network game before South Carolina. The Brock has flipped to South Carolina. Um, that defensive line—that's kind of what I said earlier—is going to be tough. Um, they've stopped the run well this year. They kind of bottled up Georgia's running game. Even in that game, they pulled close. That's going to be a test for this offensive line. A test for Marshawn Lloyd. Um, I'm curious to kind of see what the game plan looks like because this is kind of a flip. This is a game where Missouri secondary is the weaker part, kind of not what you had the last two weeks. And it might be a game where you can throw the ball down the field more, but I'm not sure if that's a, what you should do or B if that's what would work more. Um, but I also think this is a game where South Carolina's defense really should feast. Cause that Missouri offense is 
struggling a lot. I mean, 17 against Vanderbilt yesterday, 17 against Florida the game before. Um, I think it was 22 against Georgia. They're 17 against Auburn. They're not scoring points. Um, and South Carolina's defense should be able to kind of take over next week in an ideal world if you're Shane Beamer. Yeah, I mean, I think you just got to, like we said, keep your feet on the ground. Uh, you got a home environment. You got homecoming, all those fun things. Um, and you should be able to just kind of ride your defense and find a way to manufacture enough points to win that one. You got a spread guess? We do this every Sunday, but what do you think that we'll, we should know later today? What's the opening point spread going to be? That's that's tough because I think if South Carolina is ranked, that sort of uh, – of course, it's the opening spread, so Vegas doesn't really care if they're ranked or not. Um, I'm going to call it eight. So that seems about right. Eight. More than a touchdown, but not quite like a touchdown to field goal. Like stay within those key numbers of seven and ten. Yeah, that seems right. And then, yeah, whether or not the line moves from there, I think will somewhat depend on if South Carolina is ranked just because – People look at numbers. This is going to be the first week that I think people start to talk about South Carolina from a national perspective. I mean, there I heard a couple questions on some national podcasts about the Kentucky game or whatever. Um, but last night, I mean, outside of LSU beating Ole Miss, um, they were pretty much the main story on the SEC network. Uh, so I think it's there's going to be some some more buzz after this. It's that rat poison Nick Saban always talks about. Yeah, let's. Uh, Let's see if they, you know, they buy it. Uh, another thing that we can talk about um, throughout the week, check out GamecockScoop.com. I put out the visitors list on Friday. There were a lot of very important, especially 2024 visitors on campus, and that was a pretty cool show for them to see. <laughs> um, the uh, I know Anthony Carey, who is a top-rated 2024 running back, was there. <laughs> he, he was kind of trolling people on Twitter uh, saying, like, hey, what if after South Carolina beats Texas A&M. He said that before the game. Um, and then, of course, they get the win. So after the game, he just put the little eyeball emojis everywhere. I I wouldn't project that to happen like right now or anything, but I do think South Carolina is in a good position there. You had a uh, another top-rated wide receiver, Jonathan Paler, uh, four-star out of Providence Day in Charlotte, um, attending the game. You had Jaden Scott, who's another running back in the 2024 class that, that blew up at Rivals Camps. Um, this past uh, spring, he was like one of the MVPs of the Atlanta camp. Um, so, I, that, and that's just like the tip of the iceberg. There were so many very important recruits on campus this weekend. You also had um, Cam Scott out of Lexington, five-star basketball recruit, taking his official visit. And he, I'm sure he took in the game as part of it. Lamont Paris, um, the opening. The like, celebrity starter is yeah. what they call it. Yeah, yeah. celebrity starter. Uh, He's got to do it every week. if They're going to keep scoring 17 in the first six minutes. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, really incredible environment. Uh, I've already heard from a couple, uh, you know, just generic, like, wow. Um, and we'll have some more in-depth interviews throughout the week on GameCockScoop.com on that. Uh, I did just see that H-Man left us a comment. Thanks for commenting, H-Man. He says, Beamer talked about how he struggled to string wins together last year, so glad to see them carrying momentum this season. And that's, uh, you know, we we did spend a little bit of time uh talking negative about the offense or, or or whatever um but i think the big takeaway here is four straight you got the momentum going um beamer referenced which uh i remember sitting in the media room after after the georgia game and the the, the vibes were bad um and someone asked if there was any quit in the team 
course, uh, you get the fun sound clip back then of being, being like, hell no. Um, and uh, he referenced it again last night saying, like, what do you think? Is there quit in this team? You know, we, we've won four straight since since you asked that. And uh, yeah, vibes are good right now. <laughs> um, and you got to just keep riding that momentum wave. First time, we didn't even mention this, first time since 2013 they've won four games in a row. That's Jadavion Clowney's last year. That's that's uh, that's significant. They didn't even um, win. I don't think they even won. Did they win two in a row last year? They started 2-0 against Eastern Illinois and East Carolina, but they didn't get to three in a row last year. Yeah, so if you're a South Carolina enjoy this. Try not to dwell too long on the negative. I'm not saying that those conversations don't need to be had at some point, but hey, you've won four straight. Uh, enjoy where you're at. There were so many times uh, since 2013 where you felt like you had a moment to capture momentum, to take a next step, and you fell flat on your face. And this is one of the – these last two weeks are, are examples of the opposite where you had a moment, you seized the moment. It seems like things are rolling in the, the right direction. I'm not saying you're going to start competing for an SEC championship like this year or next even, but things are moving in the right direction. That seems obvious. Enjoy that. Yeah, you're not a coach. You're not a player. You don't have to get back to the practice field tonight. You have till 3.59 next Saturday to not be nervous about South Carolina football. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we will obviously on GameCostScoop.com have some more reaction from the game. I know that Alan Cole's got his uh, stats thing coming out tomorrow. Um, we'll have some film breakdown from Perry McCarty. Uh, I'll have some recruit reaction. Lee Wardlaw will have some recruit reaction. Um, and yeah, let's enjoy this. And then we'll on the back half of the week, we'll start previewing Missouri. We'll be back here on Thursday to talk Missouri. And yeah, yeah, then have a good one, Gamecock Nation. Yep. <laughs>